You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I am your host, Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 And of course, you will have noticed that my co-host, Kane Pittman, is not here. So uh, I'll play the stinger for him anyway. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. So I am going solo on today's episode of Locked On AFL. I'm going to recap all of the free agency news that's happened over the last couple of days, a bit of discussion on that, and any news that breaks while I'm recording this as well. We have no idea what that uh, what that's going to be, so we'll see where this show goes. Let's start with the news that, of course, Joe Danaher, uh, Brisbane made the bid, Joe Danaher accepted the bid, restricted free agent, and Essendon decided not to match. Because, of course, why would they decide to match when the AFL, in all of their glorious generosity, offers Essendon pick number seven as uh, compensation? Now, everybody, I think, who listens to this podcast or follows me on Twitter understands that I believe that the compensation pick is one of the most ludicrous systems in any sport anywhere in the world. It makes absolutely no sense at all for a player who has played his eight or nine years, which is what you have to be to be a restricted free agent, for a club given that service. He has gone through injury problems here, Danaher, and some of that I know that he blames Essendon for some of the issues there. Part of why he wants to go to uh, Brisbane because of their medical staff. Yeah, the, the situation with this club who's had their struggles, their off-field turmoil, we know all of that. He's given that time. And now Essendon, because they didn't manage the situation well, gets rewarded with pick number seven. It is an absolutely ludicrous system. That, that contract, which, hey, the contract that Brisbane offers Danaher might be way too much. I, and I think that's a, a real possibility that this does not work out for them. There are incentives in this deal for Danaher, but this is a guy that's played 15 games in three years. And yes, when he played back in 2017, was really, really good. But that was 2017. A lot of things are very different in the world in 2020 versus what they were in 2017. So paying for that sort of production, I'm not sure is great, but that's what happened. And the AFL with their, again, mystery formula, decided to hand out first uh, round compensation. Now, everybody who's out there and you will complain, oh, buddy only got pick 19 and all that sort of stuff, that's, I know how the system works, right? It's you get that first round pick after your initial first round pick, but the system is ludicrous. You should not get any compensation because what it does is every other team then pays the price. The teams below Essendon on the ladder, they pay the price now. They move down in the draft order. So Essendon gets pick seven. Carlton moves down. Adelaide moves down. GWS, uh, they move down as well. But they also then get, uh, not they don't move down, sorry, because Adelaide had their pick, but then they get a, a first-round pick in compensation for Zach Williams. So North Melbourne, who had pick nine, are now picking at pick number 11. And if their academy bids come in here in these first couple of picks, they could lose uh, from pick number nine down to pick 13 or 14. It is a ludicrous system that uh, is right for manipulation and doesn't actually help the league grow. And people say, well, if they do this, then good players will just always leave bad teams and go to good teams. And you could, okay, Brisbane was a really good team this year. Brisbane was also trash two years ago. So is this a situation where teams are always staying good forever? People act like Richmond's been the best team in the world for 10, 20 years. They were trash as well before 2017. And in fact, in that 2016 trade period, I believe, Ty Vickery 
was signed from Richmond to a restricted free agent deal by Hawthorne, who were the best team at the time. Richmond got a compensation pick back. It turned out to be Shea Bolton. And now look how valuable that is for them. It's We have this real moment where we look at everything in the actual here and now and go, well, that, that's... Look, Geelong and Richmond, they're going to be unbeatable for the next 20 years because of Tom Lynch and Jeremy Cameron. It's just not how things work. Things are cyclical. We saw that with Hawthorne. They were great five years ago, and they're one of the worst teams in the league at the moment. We don't really know where their future goes. Sydney was in a grand final four years ago, and they finished third last on the ladder this year. Adelaide was in a grand final three years ago. GWS played literally in the 2019 grand final. And they missed the final, and now they're losing play. So do we, we need to compensate compensate them, despite the fact that they made three out of the last four preliminary finals before this year and one grand final. Um, your four consecutive top six finishes, and now we have to compensate them for it. The whole system is a joke. Now, I know that's me going on a bit of a rant, but it is absolutely ridiculous. The other uh, move that happened, we talked about that. Zach Williams was signed by Carlton to uh, from GWS, and GWS gets that pick back now as compensation. They get pick um, number 10 uh, for losing Zach Williams. Again, a ridiculous scenario. Now, there's been quotes come out about Zach Williams and the size of this deal. It is a lot. But I think some of the way that the media is approaching this is a little bit off base. Of course, our mate, the other Kane, coming out with a, a comment here about Zach Williams. He says, if I was Carlton, I would like to know what they've seen from Zach Williams to think he's the next Chris Judd. Nobody said he's Chris Judd for a start. I don't think Carlton's came out and said he is the new Chris Judd. Another article or, or comment from um, uh, Scott Camparelli talking about the ridiculous overpaying of players and paying for potential rather than performance. Um, I think that look, if you get into the situation where you're paying players based on past performance... Then you put your your team in real problems. Like you get to, and we've talked about this. I talked about this with Kane uh, last week. Zach Williams, maybe he's not seven hundred worth seven hundred to nine hundred thousand. He's he probably isn't. But Carlton has viewed him as a guy that can step into their midfield. He can take that role on as a bit of a line breaker, a hard runner, a, a good disposer of the footy as well. And instead of paying someone who's twenty nine years of age. So Adam Trelaw, perhaps, who's on a similar salary, and then at the back end of that five-year deal, you're paying $300,000 per year too much. To get someone to move in free agency, to get someone to move into a larger role at a younger age, you do have to pay that extra bit of money. That is how this system should work, rather than, hey, look at what you've done for 10 years, and now we pay you this money, which at the end of the contract is going to absolutely bite us in the ass, and then it's going to become a problem. And I think that's some of the, the consternation, again, with Adam Trelaw and his deal. Is Collingwood signed it. They back-ended it. And now they're going to be like, when he's 32, do I want to be paying 900000 a year? Probably not. And the way they've gone about it, of course, has been you know, some real problems. But I think we need to look at these things. And I understand you're paying, like, paying Jai Caldwell. Essendon, you're paying him extra money after two years, and he's played 11 games. Okay, I don't believe players should have the ability to move clubs after two years unless they're traded, not when they're out of contract. I think rookie contracts should be four years. Everyone knows that. But Essendon's paying for a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, paying him extra money. as they, Because then by the end of that contract, he's 26, he's in the prime of his career, and you're probably getting a real bargain on that deal, given what we've seen from him and the way that he develops. They've done this scouting on him. So I think that's the way that we need to go with these deals, rather than necessarily paying people yeah, a lot over. And then at the end of their contract, it becomes a problem for the team. 
team and for the player, and we get some of these Trelaw-like situations appearing. And I think we're going to get a similar thing happen with Brody Grundy at Collingwood, that when he gets to 32 and he's paid a million dollars a year, that we're going to be like, what the hell is his contract? And then there's going to be concerns with where he fits, and is he going to be traded, and is he going to be dropped on this sort of money? There are going to be those worries. So I don't actually have a problem with that. And I think the the talk around it is is a little bit concerning about you know, talking about these players. And there's a little bit of the back in my day coming out as well. Our oh, players don't want to sit in the V. Brendan Goddard had a comment on this. They don't want to play 60 games in the VFL before getting their opportunity. Cool. They don't. Look, who, if you are a players get criticized for being soft and not focused on footy. And then when they go, hey, we want to play, we believe we are better than this and we want to play. We want to be playing at the highest level. Then they're criticized for not waiting their turn. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it that like these players aren't as engaged and they don't love footy and they've got too many side hustles and they're too busy playing PlayStation or clothing brands. And then when they say, hey, I actually want to play footy, get me somewhere where I can play and having the ability to do that, then they're criticized for doing that. Well, no, just sit there, wait your turn, shut up and wait five years and then you can play at a higher level when we're ready. And I think that's it. And a similar situation seems to be happening in Geelong now with Jordan Clark, that Fremantle uh, circling around him. Because is, this is part of the problem as well. If Geelong's bringing in Isaac Smith and bringing in Sean Higgins and bringing in Jeremy Cameron, then players are going to move. And it looks like Jordan Clark, his name has been brought up, is going to Fremantle. Sam Menangola's name has also been brought up that he might be saying, well, am I going to get squeezed out of this team? Where am I fitting with this squad? And then he moves on. And that is the idea behind it. You can't fit everybody in. And then you have to be able to get these guys and be able to attack attack them in terms of attack Geelong in terms of the players who are around, and I think that is what we might end up seeing happening, which I'd be pretty excited to see. You know, some of these things you can't hold on to everybody at all points. I did mention Jeremy Cameron already, um, but let's talk about what happened because Geelong sent the offer. Apparently, it's a huge one, $4.5 million over a five-year period with a lot of incentives in there as well, and um, that's great. He deserves the money. Geelong, if they can fit it in the salary cap, fantastic. I think that's absolutely brilliant from Geelong to be able to manage that. It's going to cost them in some way, but yeah, having Ablett come off the books, Harry Taylor retired, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well. They've got the space, but it is going to create some problems. But GWS have created AFL history, and the fact that this creates AFL history is remarkable in itself. They became the first team to match a restricted free agent bid. The fact that restricted free agency was bought in with this mechanism where you can match a bid, and we've been going, what, eight years in free agency, and nobody has done it, is pretty ludicrous. I think the matching system is also screwed, like everything the AFL seems to do with player movement, because what happens now... Is Geelong has, matched, has put their bid in four and a half million? Apparently, GWS's was three and a half. Um, GWS has matched that bid, and then so what happens is now Cameron can either go and play for the Giants on that contract, he can decide not to play and go into the draft, or Geelong has to trade for him. I don't think that that preseason draft option should be a possibility at all. It should be well, your contract is matched. And you have to go back and play for that team. That's that's the that's the strength of restricted free agency, and that is where that should come in. But how does how does Geelong approach this now? Do they call the Giants bluff and say, "Well, we're not, we're just not going to trade for him now. You're going to lose him for nothing." What do the Giants do? Are they happy to lose Cameron for nothing? Geelong has a few first round selections. They could end up with more. At the moment, they have pick thirteen. 
pick 15 and pick 20. So three first rounders. Are those three first round picks enough for GWS? Instead of pick 11, they would have got as compensation. You probably think so. 13, 15, 20 versus pick 11. You probably think that's uh, that's worth more to them. They want another player as well. Finding who that player is remains to be seen, but they should be looking at that. And I think Geelong should be okay with giving that up. But remember, if GWS didn't match this bid, then Geelong wouldn't have had to give up anything for him. So I guess they could feel a little bit miffed at that scenario that they now have to give up. But that is that is why restricted free agency is there. And that is the price that you have to pay. And if they want him, they're going to have to be willing to pay that price. So Cameron, um, we're still waiting to see how this plays out. Of course, trades can't happen until trade period kicks off later this week. But that is where Jeremy Cameron sits. The other one, which I thought could be a real disaster, and again, part of the situation, we don't know what the hell goes on with the formula, with salaries. Uh, Brad Crouch was signed by St. Kilda to a restricted free agent offer, and the compensation came back as a second-round selection, which for Adelaide, considering they were the worst team in the uh, in the league, ends up at like pick 23. So they're not happy with that. So they now have to decide whether they follow GWS's lead and they match that bid and force St. Kilda in, into a trade. Now, St. Kilda can come in and say, well, we'll trade you our pick 17, which is obviously better than that comp- compensation. And yeah, maybe they throw a player in there. And yeah, that then, then Adelaide wins. To me, it's a no-brainer here for Adelaide to match the, this contract for Brad Crouch. Maybe Crouch decides to stay. Crouch's offer apparently is $600,000. Some people are saying that that's you know, way too low for Crouch. I think it's actually not too bad. Because again, tying back into what we said before, do we really want to be paying Brad Crouch $800,000? Um, when he is not at the end of his career, but he's you know, going to be 27 by the time next season starts. And then is he going to be worth more than that? And the other thing is, is that we can say that that's you know, not worth his value. He signed the contract. That he accepted the bid and went to St. Kilda. So he is obviously fine with that. He thinks that's fine value for him. So it's not just about, hey, I'm getting so much more money to go to St. Kilda than to stay at Adelaide. So it's not just that you know, he wasn't forced to sign a contract for that amount. So he obviously believes that that is a good contract for him, whether that's money-wise or the fact that he wants to get out of Adelaide and go to St. Kilda. So at this point, we're waiting to see what the Crows will do. Uh, we'll see whether they match, whether a trade goes down, whatever it is. We're still waiting to see how that uh, how that pans out. Some more news around uh, Josh Dunkley. There's conflicting reports whether he has told the club that he wants to leave. Um, he hasn't, then according to other sources, he hasn't officially requested a trade. Of course, Essendon throwing that big contract out for Dunkley, who has two years left on his contract. The problem with this deal is, is Essendon, they could very well end up with, again, it's stupid, pick six, pick seven, and pick eight in this draft, which is great for Essendon. And you could say, we'll give you two of those picks for Josh Dunkley. Hey, we'll give you three of those picks. But for the Bulldogs... Given that they have uh, Jamari Hagen as their next generation academy player, if they get those picks, then they just get absorbed into that uh, Hagen bid. So they get those picks, they've got them, and then they disappear to get Hagen. whereas they'll get him anyway, and they'll go into deficit or they use draft picks, later draft picks, so that's no benefit. What the Bulldogs would need to do is get draft picks off Essendon and throw them somewhere else so that they get an asset that's not going to evaporate when the November draft appears. The constant rumor, which is not really a sourced rumor, it's just like, hey, well, this makes sense considering these players are you know, potentially looking to be traded, is that you know, Dunkley goes to Wesson and draft picks go to Collingwood and Adam Trelaw goes to the Bulldogs. If I'm the Bulldogs, I'm not sure why I'm accepting that. 
Sure, Dunkley may say he wants to go. He's got two years left on a contract. Players changed their mind. Tom Papley wanted out of City, and now he's signed an extension there. Um, the problem with Trelaw is, is he, how much different is he to Josh Dunkley as a player? Who's a better player? I think you could make an argument really either way. And even if you say that Trelaw is a better player, the margin between them slim. And there's like four years worth of age difference between those two. And one guy is already under contract for a significantly lower amount versus what you're paying Trelaw. So I don't know why the Bulldogs would accept that as a Trelaw for Dunkley swap in terms of, you know, I'd want something else. And again, anything else you're getting in terms of draft picks is going to be absorbed. Now, the Bulldogs are looking for a Ruckman. They've inquired about getting Ben McAvoy from Hawthorne. That's been rejected. So that's going to be um, something they're looking at. There are plenty of other Ruckman names that are thrown out. I've heard Pete Laddams, uh, Tom Hickey, uh, Darcy Ford, another guy that the Bulldogs have discussed about perhaps going for from Geelong as an uncontracted or out-of-contract player. So how... Um, whether they can turn a, a draft pick in a deal into one of those Ruckman is something that remains to be seen as well. But that is sort of where the Bulldogs are looking. And that Dunkley story still obviously has some room to play out. But at this point, nothing that's come out has said the Bulldogs are entertaining any sort of trade deals for Josh Dunkley at this point. The other news in terms of uh, free agency signing, Aiden Core, another GWS player that's left. He's gone to North Melbourne. And of course, there's a compensation pick there. Pick 30 is what GWS gets. And then Isaac Smith, uh, as we know, went to Geelong. Hawthorne gets pick 45 there. And Rory Atkins went to G uh, Gold Coast from Adelaide. And they get pick 39 as compensation. Again, compensation picks, absolutely ludicrous. I don't have too much of a problem with third rounders. But yeah, a couple of second rounders here. We're probably going to get two, uh, two first round pick compensations and three uh, second round pick compensations at this point. It's just too many to me, but that is where Aiden, uh, Aiden Corey is heading to North Melbourne. And again, what we can say, Core's not a superstar. Rory Atkins isn't a superstar. The fact that these players like Core, like Zach Williams, like Adam Saad, like uh, uh, Markov, who's going to Gold Coast as well, they're choosing teams who aren't good. Now, these aren't star, star players. Right? These aren't Joe Danaher or Jeremy Cameron. These aren't those players. But they are choosing to go to a team that maybe has the most clouded future in the entire league in North. A team like Hawthorne that looks like they could be in for a, a decent size rebuild. Going to Gold Coast, a team that's never made the finals. Choosing those teams is sort of, I think, an indication that you know, that is what free agency should be. giving Getting an opportunity, getting more money for these teams, using their cap space as an asset rather than everybody's just going to go to Richmond and Geelong, which I, I don't think that's the case. And again, if Cam Cameron goes to Geelong, it's going to squeeze players out. We've seen Jack Higgins is potentially going to be leaving Richmond. Now, whether he goes to St. Kilda, there's talk of Melbourne as well, like Oleg Markov uh, going as well to Gold Coast. They, these players who are going to be pushed out because other players are coming in, that's sort of how free agency goes. And interestingly, someone tweeted this to me the other day, talking about free agents. There's only two free agents that have ever won a flag. Tom Lynch, who's won two, and James Frawley, who won with Hawthorne. That's it. So all this talk, I just it just completely skews all of the um, all of the premierships, and they're, they're just going to chase flags. Two free agents have done it. Jeremy Cameron might go to Geelong, and they win a flag. Fantastic, but only two two players have done it, and we still see a situation where yeah, there is ebbs and flows with how these teams are. Port were trash; they finished top of the ladder. Brisbane were trash two years ago; they finished second on the ladder, and they were top four for two consecutive seasons. Richmond were bad five years ago; they're good now. Hawthorne were great. They're bad now. Sydney were good. They're bad now. Like teams move up and down all the time. We see this 
consistently. And it's not just about, hey, I've got one star and everything is fixed. It's about building the team the right way with the draft picks, with under-the-radar free agents, with rookie picks, with scouting, with training, with coaching, with all these different things rather than I've got one bloke and that's all that's going to matter. Because that hasn't been the case so far. A lot of people also are like, well, if you, if you do this, if you open up free agency and players can move with no compensation, you're going to turn out like the NBA where you know, only a couple of teams can win it. And interestingly enough, in the last 10 years, there's been seven individual teams that have won a championship in the NBA. In the AFL, there have been six. So it's been a little bit more... Yeah, I know there's differences in league size and all that. There's still been you know, more variety in terms of NBA champions over that year, uh, over those 10 years versus what there's been in the AFL. I teased it a little bit earlier on, but Harry Taylor did announce his retirement from Geelong. Me and Kane sort of talked about that um, after the grand final. That it was a chance that he would uh, do that. He's 34 years of age. He played 280 games. Didn't start his career the traditional way. Came over from playing in the waffle. Um, just a, a fantastic career for Harry. Uh, yeah, a guy that played forward at types. Played down back. All Australian nods. He had a, a season where he kicked in 2017. 22 goals. Played up forward. Played down back. Really, really good stuff from Harry Taylor over his career. 12 years with Geelong. 13 years, sorry, with Geelong. 280 games and yeah, a legend of the club. He retires now and uh, and, and is going to be um, going to be heading off uh, to enjoy whatever he wants to do. And that, again, opens up a little bit more salary cap space for Geelong to see what they uh, what they do in terms of deals with guys like uh, with Cameron and Higgins, of course, coming across. And uh, Geelong's going to be one of the most interesting teams for us to look at over this trade period with uh, the players that are coming in, the players that are going out, and uh, just the moves because that they are some big, big moves that they are making. And we'll see how that all pans out. Now, at the moment, we're recording this, or I'm recording this Monday morning. Um, don't have any any specific uh, trades or, or free agency signings that have gone down. So because I'm here talking by myself, I reckon we might call it quits on today's show. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about any news that goes down today and more speculation across the AFL. Thanks for sticking with me, doing it solo, ranting about I could have talk, I could talk for hours about how bad the AFL player movement system is, but I hope you get an idea of what I was thinking with this uh, with this um, player movement and why I think it is incorrect the way that they do things. Don't forget, guys, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us a five-star review as well. Today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Rowan Wharf.